0: hi everyone and welcome to biblequest.org if you're joining us through the live zoom app Be sure to open the question and answer window, you know, click on that Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. We want you to use that window from you with your questions, text them in, your questions, or comments. So please be sure to use the Q&A box. By the way, for you that are using the app, you also have the ability to raise your hand. There's a little hand icon there. You can click on it. Now, if you do raise your hand. It's possible for us to give you the opportunity to talk with us on the air live if you want, but no, we'll communicate with you first. If you want, just raise your hand. Now, if you're joining us through Facebook, you only have the option to text us your questions or comments using that uh, comment box on the Facebook page. Well, with all that said, now let me welcome our panelists, Scott Smelter. He's coming in from Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Hi, Scott. How are you doing today? you enjoying that spring weather down there?
1: Yes, I am, Drew. Beautiful day down here. Good to be with you.
0: Good to have you here. Along with Scott, also from Gettysburg, the historic Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Stephen Rouse. Hi Stephen, how are you doing down there?
2: Hey, welcome everybody.
0: Doing well down here. Great, great. I, and I'm your host, Drew DeGrado, Broadcasting Live from Homesdale, Pennsylvania. So today I want to we we want to talk about a story which most of us are feeling familiar with the story. But there's a few things in it that maybe we haven't considered before. And the story begins with Jesus wanting to go north from Judea up to uh, Galilee. And in between those two areas is that area that we're familiar with called Samaria. Just as a little background on Samaria. Samaria, that area was that was the northern kingdom what several hundred years before all of this. When there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and when assyria came in and and took and captured um the northern kingdom the way assyria did these things they'd go in and capture the land take out the prime people the upper echelon and they would bring in other cultures from other areas maybe not prime definitely not prime lower cultured people and they would bring them in to try to get them to assimilate trying to get that the local people will not continue to serve their gods and have this intermingling. Well as time went on the northern people still hung on to their jewish heritage and in fact they they gave honor to the book of to the five books of moses not necessarily all of the prophets but the books of moses the five books they 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 recognized. and so they did consider themselves Jewish, they had that same consideration that the Jews in Judea had was we know the Jews and the Samaritans didn't get along at all. In fact, they they hate each other for that very reason that they were a mixed group. And it's important to realize that too, because as the story, like any of the stories that we read in the Bible that include Samaritans, we want to realize the differences between these two cultures and the peoples themselves. Uh, S- Scott, why don't you go ahead and uh, start start us off?
1: You know, a couple of comments on that too. Uh, so what we have in common with the Jews is, like you said, a belief in the five books of Moses. <clears throat> and they are circumcised. Um, of course, that's back in in, in the five book of Moses. Um, I, the, probably, technically, they, we wouldn't say that they consider themselves Jews because Jew is short for Judah. And the northern tribes, whatever little remnant there had been left, those would have been Israel as opposed to Judah, which is back after Babylon. Uh, just as an aside, it's kind of interesting to note the different ways that the Assyrians and the Babylonians and then the Persians tended to deal with people. The Assyrians moved them around, kind of like if, if we got conquered by, say, some great foreign power, and they just picked us up and put us all in Norway. You know, and then they put the Norwegians in Spain and the Spaniards in Canada. You kind of lose your desire to get your independence back when you're out of pocket. The Babylonians took the Jews to Babylon and you're captive there. And then the Persians, they're going to repatriate peoples to where they go. But it, it as you described, it left this situation in the Samaria, Samaria with these uh, mixed blood with all these people
2: of other nations. And that brings us into... Well, and one more thing about that before we start in John 4, um, is uh, the background there in Second Kings 17, uh, verse 28 and then verse 29, it's notable that uh, the, the king of Assyria commands to get one of the priests from Israel and have them teach the resettled people in Samaria how they ought to fear the Lord but verse twenty nine every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans have made, every nation in the cities in which they lived. yeah, so it's just interesting that you've got people who've learned the five books of moses they've they're being taught the law by the priests, but then they kind of mix it with all the different idolatrous stuff that they're bringing in
1: and when we get into Ezra and Nehemiah, and particularly we we're going to see when the Jews come back from Babylon. Samaritans are going to be interfering and causing trouble. So with that background, here we are in John 4, verse 3. He left Judea, as uh, Drew had pointed out, and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria. He came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, where it is he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It's about the sixth hour. It's noon, so it's lunchtime. All right, so here we are, Jacob's Well. Uh, That's what it looked like in the 1800s. If you go and look at it today, it looks more like this, but that's not what it looked like then. Uh, Comments, any more setting of the states we need? I think so. All right. So he's there, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans.
0: Now, there's that, there's the point that we were trying to make that, I mean, she identified it right off the top. And not only that, it makes, what makes it worse that she's a woman. Yeah. Whether you're a Jew in your own culture, usually their culture says men do not speak with women publicly by themselves.
1: The well, not Pharisees, necessarily
0: publicly, but by themselves. should be another man with that woman, her husband or family member.
1: One of the Pharisee line of uh, rabbis from the Pharisee line once said, Don't speak much with women, not even your own wife. So, whoa. Well, <laughs> So here you've got uh, a, a Jewish guy has stopped by the well and a Samaritan, like you said, woman comes up and he immediately makes conversation with her and asks for a drink. And so she's kind of, you know, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And then John's editorial comment, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans.
2: Yeah. And just as a side note, as we think about this, it's interesting just to see the way that Jesus interacts with different kinds of people, um, especially in the book of John, but also in uh, the other Gospels, and that Jesus will often do unexpected things socially. And we yes. need to think about that as Christians, as sometimes we uh, we're very aware of our own cultural boundaries, and for the sake of the gospel, sometimes we need to be willing to cross yeah. cultural lines, not to intentionally offend people, but to reach out to people that we might not otherwise talk with. And I appreciate Jesus' willingness here to initiate this conversation. Just hey, would, would you give me a drink? You know, but talks to a Samaritan, talks to a woman in this case, and is going to open up the doors for the gospel to not only this woman, but her family and her community. And sometimes it just takes the courage to cross some of those lines to open up all sorts of doors of opportunity.
1: It's also interesting how Jesus takes a situation as simple as getting a drink of water. He's going to turn it into what?
0: Wow, that's an open-ended question. Turn it into revealing truth.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, oh, are you talking about living water turning into living Yeah,
1: water? yeah. Sp- a spiritual discussion. Spiritual
2: conversation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We've got a question um, from Roderick Crane in the Q&A that says, How did the Samaritan woman know that Jesus was a Jew? What do you all think about that?
0: That's a very good question. They knew each other by appearance. The culture, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I'm, I, I wasn't there, but the culture, definitely, you can look at them. I don't know, Scott, do you think it would be um, an ethnic appearance or just clothing?
1: I would, I would, it was probably some of both, you know, you, you get in America, we're so used to such a blend, but you get in some foreign countries and, you know, English people tend to look a little bit different than French people. German people look a little different than French people. Uh, You know, some of the variations stand out more plus how they're dressed. I mean, you know, if we see a guy from Texas, even before he says he's from Texas, we can kind of tell Texan. <laughs> uh, so whether it was, uh, you know, they would have had a largely genetic up because a lot of what they were genetically would have been um, non-Jewish, but also probably kind of the way that they dressed. Uh, so, but is this exactly how? I don't know, but they they would have known.
0: But, it, but I think Rod brings a good point up. They they know each other. They can identify it. And we're not going to have anything to do with you just by the way you look.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, too. It doesn't say that Samaritans refuse to have dealings with Jews, but it certainly says that Jews have no dealings with Samaritans.
0: That's an interesting point. I didn't realize that. one.
1: You're right. I, I don't know how often it went the other way. We do know in Jesus' parable of the good Samaritan, the Samaritan is willing to step the other direction, but I don't know how typical that is. All right. Jesus answered her. So she says, yeah, what are you doing asking me for water? So Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it was saying you give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us well and drank from him himself as did his son's livestock.
0: I like Where? the way you you, you toned that comment because I'm under the same impression that she's actually mocking him.
1: Yeah, I think she's kind of annoyed with him.
0: Annoyed, at least annoyed, not mocking, annoyed yeah.
1: with him. Uh, yeah, and mocking, you're right. I think that's too, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. You're greater than Jacob. <laughs>
0: Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. But he doesn't skip a beat, as Jesus never does.
1: So here we go. Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The one said to him. Sir, give me this water so that I won't be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And uh, at that point, Jesus says, go call your husband <laughs> and come here.
0: You notice you notice, he doesn't answer her when she says, are you greater than Jacob? He could have said, I am, but he doesn't. Right? He just says, the water I'm giving you is different than the water yeah. you're getting.
1: He's gotten her attention. He's given her nothing up till this point to change her mind, but he's getting her attention and getting a conversation started. Then at this point, he gives her something to change her mind. She's been pretty sarcastic up to this point. You know, who do you think you are? And uh, and then, uh, then he this goes. This is
0: more, she bit off more than she can chew here.
1: Yeah. Then he says, go call your husband. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Oops.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: She identifies identifies, them. Go ahead, Stephen, go ahead.
2: Is she. This is really the turning point in the conversation up to this point. He said some intriguing things, but she doesn't seem to be taking them seriously. And at this point, when he tells her, listen, you've had five different husbands. <laughs> and she's like, the next thing she'll say, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. you were saying some weird stuff. And you're like, where are you going to get that living water from? You don't have anything to draw from the well. And now she's like, wait a minute. You're right. not supposed to know that. And so the conversation is going to shift after yes. this. But before before we move on, if you back up um, to the last slide where Jesus mm-hmm. is saying that the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And Jesus just says some interesting things here about the nature of what he can do for us spiritually. Um, is that the idea is almost this. You, get, you have your own well uh, within you, is the, kind of this eternal source of spiritual blessing, uh, of spiritual nourishment. Um, Jesus will say some, some things farther on in the book of John about uh, streams of water flowing uh, from within. And I think that's just interesting here to see uh, that, again, some of these deep spiritual truths Jesus is giving to a woman that you wouldn't expect initially. And we'll see some more of that as we go on.
1: And am, I, am I remembering wrong or not, or is there not a tie-in here, perhaps, or something back in Ezekiel along this line?
2: In Ezekiel's vision, that's a good point. The, the, the temple vision in the last 10 chapters or so of Ezekiel 40 through 48 um, it is, I believe it's in 43, where you have the water coming out from the temple, and then it grows and grows until it becomes this Mm-hmm. This river flowing through the promised land, and it's giving life to everything. Um, so there may be promises
1: relating to like the spirit and other things which tie in later with John. Here's yeah, something else lot, also. Oh, go ahead. A
0: lot, there, there's a lot of, of references to water um, mm-hmm. throughout the scripture, and Jesus is making the and that I think you had said earlier, Stephen. It's interesting. He or Scott, you might have said it. He starts off with a simple question: "Give me some water. Give me something to drink." And he just yeah. Goes right now into this full-blown spiritual discussion. Go ahead, Scott. Ezekiel forty-seven.
1: If you ever want to go and stand right where Jesus stood, go to Jacob's Well, because they've There's a lot of tourist identification places. They don't like. Don't go to the tomb of Jesus and expect that's really the tomb of Jesus. But Jacob's Well seems to be a geographic spot that's been known for for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And so, if you go to Jacob's well, that's, that's apparently right where uh, it is Jacob's well, apparently, right where Jesus would have been here. Let me point out something else here on this. In, in the Greek language in the New Testament, there's not a separate word for wife and a separate word for husband. It's the word man or woman. For instance, in uh, Matthew 1, Joseph took Mary to be his wife. There's not a separate word there for wife. It's Joseph took Mary to be his woman. When Jesus talks about marriage and divorce, whoever puts away his wife and marries another, it's not a separate word for wife. It's whoever puts away his woman and marries another commits adultery. Um, But you can tell when it's a marriage because it's in language like Aquila and his woman Priscilla. And that type of thing. So let's read this passage this way, which would have been more the way it would have sounded. Instead of husband, we'll say man. Jesus said to her, go call your man and come here. Jesus said, I have no man. Jesus said, you're right in saying you have no man, for you have had five men, and the one you have now is not your man. What you have said is true.
0: Well, that puts a very interesting emphasis Yeah, on
1: that, Yeah, right? she's got somebody else's man. And uh, then <laughs> her sarcasm disappears very quickly up until now. Uh, and Drew, you had mentioned that this type of woman and somebody making conversation with her out here at the well, she might be used to like guys trying to get her attention or hit on her or something. And she may just be annoyed with this fella and kind of, you know, swatting him away. But in this nonsense, he's saying about, you know, if you knew what kind of water I had, you'd ask of me. You'd never be thirsty again. Oh, yeah. Give me some of that. Save me a lot of time. All the sarcasm now disappears. Mm -hmm. Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. But it's also interesting (laughs) immediately. So he's pegged her. You know, to to, to, to her situation in life. He knows, he's shown her, he knows what she is. And says, I perceive you're a prophet. Does she then ask him about her situation or anything? She immediately does what? She
0: turns this conversation away from her and (laughs) asks him.
1: And it could be, could be that, you know, she's, always had this question and oh here's a prophet I want to ask you this it could also be while wow, that was a little awkward let me get on a to different <laughs> topic and it could be a little bit of both you know I want to get off this awkward subject but here is something I'd like to ask so she says our fathers worshiped in on this mountain uh their Mount Gerizim and by the way Samaritans still do Back around 1919, National Geographic sent a uh, photography team over and they did a story on the Samaritans. And there are still a few hundred Samaritans left. One of the things that they still do is they still offer the Passover lamb. So if you ever find that old National Geographic thing, you'll see them sacrificing the Passover lamb. That's the only place you'll see it. Because after the destruction of Jerusalem and the loss of the priesthood, there's no temple and they've lost the priesthood. Jews, do they celebrate Passover, but they don't do the lamb. Uh, As I understand, Orthodox Jews will have like the bitter herbs and I think maybe a dry bone representing the lamb that they no longer have. But the Samaritans, because the loss of the temple didn't affect them so much, they still sacrifice the Passover up there on Mount Gerizim. And that's the issue she's touching on here, which place. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And of course, why does she say Jesus hasn't said that in this conversation? Why does she say here, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship? He's a Jew. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the differences between the Samaritans
2: and the Jews. We say it's here. You say it's there. One one quick question. I'm just not sure about this. It, do you think did they choose Mount Gerizim in part because of the blessings and curses on Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal? Is that they would pronounce the blessings from Mount Gerizim and the curses from Mount Ebal? Um, there I haven't thought lives.
1: about it. You may that may be that may be it, and there may be something else too.
2: But I haven't thought about, so I don't have the answer. Yeah, I haven't done a lot of work on that, but I was just curious about that. Well, it makes it, sense
0: you know, if, if I'm a Samaritan and I want to worship. Well, I'm not going to choose the one that's a curse. the Mountain, right? <laughs> no, yeah,
2: Mount, yeah. Mount evil, yeah, yeah. Mount Ebal, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. All right. So Jesus said to her, "Woman, believe me." The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit. and truth. So before getting into that last phrase, what kind of, how does he deal with her question there? She goes, so which place is it then there? Like you say, or up here and how does Jesus deal with that question?
0: Well, he sure doesn't pull any punches, does he? He says, you don't know what you're doing. You don't what, what, what you with, what you don't know.
1: Yeah, he 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 lets her know which of those has been correct, but he does it within a context of making clear it's all about to be what
2: changed. Yeah, yeah irrelevant. Changed. Yeah. It directs her yeah. attention to something that is yet to come. Yeah, the Jews have been right about that,
1: but that's really not going to matter anymore. The hour is coming, and now is that. What God's looking for is people to worship it in spirit and truth, not in Mount Gerizim or Jerusalem. Exactly. Then what does the woman say?
2: Before we move on to that next point, I I also think it's just really interesting in verse 23 there that uh, he says, for the father is seeking such people to worship him. Yeah. Uh, and that's just interesting. A lot of times we think about seeking God and, and we need to look for God and seek, search for him. But the, there's a picture here that Jesus gives that God is looking for this type of person uh, who will worship him in spirit and truth. And when God's looking for something, that should get our attention. We we want to be those kind of people. Uh, and uh, I just think it's an interesting phrase.
0: No, I, I like that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that is a very good point.
1: Think about,
2: too, the seeking
1: on both ends. What's it that? Says God is seeking such people, and Jesus says in Sermon on the Mount, those that seek, seek will find. And Paul, in Acts 17, you know, God's not far from us if we will seek, seek him. him. Uh uh, who was it, uh, the prophet in 2 Second Chronicles Second Chronicles fifteen one and 2, uh, Oded, was it, uh, who says to King Asa, uh, God's with you while you're with him, but if you forsake him, he'll forsake you, but if you seek him, he'll let you find him. Uh, oh. To God, he'll draw near you. Drew.
0: Yeah, you just made me think of the parables. The reason he was teaching in parables, parables, it was to be hidden from a certain group of people. The story, the meaning was supposed to be hidden from someone.
1: Yeah. But it's going yeah. to be
0: revealed to a certain other type of people. And what is the type of people it's going to be that the story is going to be revealed to? Those that want to know what does that mean? And they yeah. go to him and seek him to get the answer.
1: Later in John, he'll thank the father that he, for revealing it. To babes, children, babes,
2: yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Anything further there?
2: Do we want to talk at all about uh, in spirit and truth, and the, some different perspectives on that, or do we want to? Right add one of the day.
0: Do you want to bring? Yeah, you want to add a little point to that. Another point to that. Go right ahead.
2: Well, it just—I think I grew up hearing the idea that uh, worshiping God in spirit and truth is the idea of kind of in spirit is with energy, like you really mean it, um, and then in truth is like the correct outward form. Um, but in the context of John, uh, it seems at least that in spirit um, is most often used like in contrast with, well, of the flesh and uh, kind of a fleshly focused way. And so in spirit has to do with more of a, a spiritual focus on the worship. Um, and in truth, what would have to do with that idea of in the right form. Her question has to do with, well, this mountain or that mountain. Jesus says, well, salvation is from the Jews. <laughs> you know, they, they've got it right on the Jerusalem part. But there's something deeper here that you need to focus on, and that is the, the spiritual nature of the worship of God. God is a spirit. He's not like one of us. And it reminds me of some of the uh, things that Paul says in the sermon in a- Acts chapter 17. On Mars Hill where, you know, we shouldn't think that God is like these objects of wood or stone or this other stuff. No, like God's a spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth um, is that the emphasis that he gives here.
1: And Jesus is later going to say in the gospel, of John in John fourteen six, I am the way and the truth. And then of course him being the truth, then what he teaches and what he's taught through his apostles our continuation of that truth.
0: I want to get to her next statement there, Scott.
1: All right, Drew, what does he say to him?
0: She says, in verse 25, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now There's two points there that just pop right out, out to me he this is early on in, in john's gospel so this is early on if it's chrono- chronologically ordered early on in his his ministry but he's really comes right out and just says it doesn't it clear as a bell i am the messiah who you know is coming
1: and yeah very rare for jesus th- this is not what he usually does among the jews he'll He'll point to evidences and such, but not just state this. Uh, uh, but he, he'll do it later for the blind man. And he does it in this private conversation with her, just comes right out and says, I'm uh, he. And,
0: and, Which, and when,
1: when, imagine you're the woman. Yeah. A few minutes ago, you're kind of annoyed at this guy for this Jewish guy who's making conversations with you, asking for water and then, you kind of mock him a bit, and then he starts saying, "Well, you ought to ask me of water; you never be thirsty again." Oh, yeah. Who do you think you are? You know, you think you're better than Jacob? And then suddenly, yeah, you've had five men, and the one you have now isn't your man. Yeah. Well, Oops. You're, you're a prophet. I have a question, and then he answers that, and then she says, "Well, I know that the Messiah is coming," and then he says, "I'm him." Wow.
0: Well, you know what else? He's, uh, she's Part of her question is, number one, she knows the Messiah is coming. And uh, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Yeah. Now, that's a little bit different than what the Jews back in Jerusalem, their impression. Their Messiah is one of a physical king, a militaristic ruler type of Messiah. This woman is talking about one who's going to speak.
1: teach. Yeah, more teaching.
0: More of a spiritual leader. I don't know if I'm making more of it than it's there, but isn't that – she might be getting that out of Deuteronomy. I think I had that up here somewhere. Yeah, in Deuteronomy, right? In 1818. Um, 18. Yeah. And that's talking about where God says, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you, Moses. They need to listen to
2: him.
1: Yeah. He has the word, listen.
2: Yes, and that that language there is pretty strong. It says, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So there's a strong connection there uh, between the prophet like Moses being the one who speaks all that God has given to him And here she says, uh, when he comes, when Messiah comes, uh, he will tell us all things.
0: And that's what she said.
2: Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: All right. Just then the disciples, come. they marveled that he was talking with a woman. So they've come back. They're in Samaria, which is, remember, Jews have no dealings with Samaria. They left Jesus well, and they come back. And here's Jesus, and he's talking to this woman, and she's a Samaritan woman. They're having a conversation. But nobody said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her?
0: Don't you find that interesting, Scott? I want to interrupt you. Where did they go? They went to buy food. Where did they go buy food?
1: No, they would have bought it from Samaritans. They didn't go back down to Judea to get it. No, they didn't.
0: Now, I'm trying to imagine them with the animosity between these two cultures. I, it doesn't say that Jesus said, go get food. It just says they went to get food. But can you imagine that? They're going down there in this town. Ooh, we got to deal with these people and buy food from them. And they do, and they bring it back up. And, and I, I bring that up because now they got all of this food.
1: Yeah. And, and of course, there's all sorts of places today where people are in a foreign country that they don't like the people there or, you know, traveling here or there. And, hey, when it's time to get some food, you, you go buy eat. the food. You, you may be annoyed eat. with them. You may be you may be talk about them after you leave. But, you know, when, when people need stuff, they will do they will transact business with with uh, the people they need to get it from. But right. go ahead. There's, But surprising to them, Jesus didn't, in their view, have to talk with that woman. You know, they needed to buy some food from the Samaritans. But what on earth is Jesus doing talking with this Samaritan woman? Exactly. So the woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. (laughs) Of course, he's remembering what he said about these men. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and
2: are coming to him. I think it's the interesting.
1: Really... Go ahead. Okay, no, go ahead, Stephen.
2: Uh, you may be about to mention this. I don't know, but uh, the woman leaves her jar. Yeah. Uh, you know, she came for the whole purpose of getting water from Jacob's well. Yeah. And now her thought process has been totally yep. taken to, to thinking about what Jesus is saying and who is the, the, he's just said he's the Messiah. He's told me about my life and doesn't know me. And so water, water jar forgotten. She runs yeah. home, you know, and yeah. is all about come and see who this is.
1: Yeah. What two little parables in Matthew 13 does this kind of principle remind you of where here's what you've been doing and you leave all that aside for something else?
2: The one seeking, the fine pearls, the merchant, you know, yeah. and the guy who stumbles across the treasure in the field and both of them sell all they've got. Everything they've got to get
1: this one thing. So that, that jug was no longer important. She might've been real thirsty, but it, all of a sudden, uh, uh, or, or, you know, water that they would have been using for the afternoon. That's that's secondary right now. She went away, said, come see man told me all I ever did. Can this be Christ? So what do the people in town do? Well, they've got to
0: go out there and see for themselves.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. He said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? (laughs) But Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Comments on that part.
0: Yeah. um, I recall in the past... My wife would prepare a great big dinner and I'm not hungry. (laughs) What her thoughts were after she went and did that. (laughs) Here they are bringing back food and it was around the noon hour and he's definitely hungry. They know that. And then they're going, where did he get food from? There's nobody else here. That woman was, she ran away. There was no food. I I find that interesting. Like they're saying, where did he get this food from?
2: It's It's also interesting. Go ahead, Scott. One do you guys go go ahead it's, it's also just interesting that he says something pretty similar to the disciples that he had said to the samaritan woman he says well if you knew who you're talking to you'd ask me and i'd give you living water and then here the disciples come back and say we got food and he's like listen i got food you don't know about and it's just interesting that jesus yeah. uses these images of food and drink he'll later use it a couple chapters and later in john six to say you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood he'll take it to kind of the next level but he wants them to rethink the way they look at these common necessities and uses these images to point them back to himself.
1: And also that both Jesus and the woman have put aside the immediate, uh, you know, interest in food and water. She left, she left the, uh, the water jug behind and he's the foods there now. That's not what he's focused on. Instead, look what he says. He says, my food is to do the well sent me to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Go back to verse 30. After the woman went to town and said this, what did the people do in verse thirty? Ran out to come. To- They're coming out of town to him. Now, do you remember that picture we had at the beginning that showed Jacob's well, and you can see kind of the valley and the hills and everything around? Let me run back to that real quick. Okay.
0: What you're getting at She's is going to see them coming up.
1: Yeah, and if they're dressed, is a lot of Middle Eastern uh, people seem to have done, sometimes dressed in white, uh, a good color for you know. If you dress in black, uh, you know that's going to be a lot hotter and stuff. Uh, if uh, you know, if you picture you know people and maybe because white flowing robes kind of heading out that way. And he said, you say it's four months till harvest, but look, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They're already white unto the harvest. Which brings us then back to the text. Well, no, I went too far.
2: That's I think another. it's interesting here again that Jesus redirects his disciples' attention from like scott mentioned earlier from their immediate hunger and preoccupation with hey it's lunchtime to listen there there is work to be done right now uh, there are opportunities that you're missing yeah. if you're not paying attention look don't wait for the harvest yeah harvest is now you know look lift up your eyes look out see these people coming and of course these are people that Though they may have bought lunch from them, they uh, were not wanting really to have any more interaction than they needed to with these people. And Jesus is saying, listen, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And that's the work that he's inviting the disciples to do is the work of reaching out to people, of of loving them uh, despite their cultural differences and sharing the gospel with them.
1: And then Jesus says, already, so after saying the fields are white for harvest, already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. It's a little bit different, two different stages here, but you remember in Corinth, Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered. Here, you've got one sows and another reaps. And that's what Jesus says in verse 30, 37. For here, the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps.
0: I have a question for you, Scott. Yeah. So who's the reaper, who's the sower in this scene?
1: The uh, You've got Moses. The, the Samaritans do use the books of Moses. There's work that Moses did centuries and centuries before that's laid the groundwork for now what can be uh there's you know we we all ride so much on the work of people of the past even as even as uh um uh, you know when we're preaching sometimes we forget things that we've heard from other people one brother that i just really learned a lot from and just really love and appreciate a lot was robert turner who is an older brother who died many, many years ago. And I remember a lot of things. You know, I remember some things that I learned from Robert Turner, but I've forgotten how much I learned from Robert Turner, because sometimes somebody will say something to me. They'll say, you know, it's like brother Turner said, and they'll say something and it's something I say, and I'd forgotten where I got it from. You know, yeah. it's, you know, I could even think that I thought of that or something. But oh, now I know where I got that. But I mean, it, but just think the work of the prophets in the Old Testament, the work of Jesus, the work of the apostles, people who, who translate the Bible into our language, or maybe people back in our family line, people who taught the people that taught us all this work gone in and then and now it's our turn.
2: I also think, just on a very literal note in this text, it's going to be interesting that in Acts chapter 8, you're going to have some of the disciples coming back to Samaria as part yeah. of the gospel. Philip will come, but then Peter and John are sent yeah. up after that, and they would be present for this. Yeah. And all the, the seeds that Jesus is sowing right yes. here, they're going to come back and reap some benefit and blessing Excellent. from the work of Excellent. Jesus.
1: Excellent. And would they not think back? to this occasion with the woman at the well back when they had been so surprised that Jesus was talking to that woman. Exactly. Yeah. Good answer. Many Samaritans, and we're about out of time. We're down here to about one uh, minute. and we we're cook, of our last yeah. text, so I'll read yeah. it and then you guys wind up with whatever comments you have. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world.
0: Oh, that's powerful. They did believe her, right? But they had to now go out to confirm themselves. And now their faith is directly because of what they heard.
1: Yeah, kind of like the is who listened and then searched
2: to see for themselves. themselves.
0: Yeah. Don't take yeah. it on my word. What does the scripture
2: say? And right. see and read it for yourself. Yeah. And it's like, kind of like chapter one, Philip and Nathaniel, you know, can anything come out of Nazareth? Well, come and see. And then he says, truly you're the son of God. So uh, same type of thing here with the Samaritans. And
1: perhaps Drew, you had mentioned before that, of course it would have been varying degrees of perception, but the, the, one of the perceptions Jerusalem had to do with power and independence and stuff. But notice here, their perception is savior of the world.
0: Exactly. Not, they don't even use the term king.
1: Savior, hmm. savior of the world. A
0: spiritual leader concept is what they had. Good point. Now I know they, we're, we're actually, we're past the time a little bit, but you know what? We got to mention about next week, Scott. We're not going to be doing the show live next week.
1: So That's true.
0: Audience, we want to let you know that next week we're going to not be here. Um, we we're have- all going to
1: be tied up in a lecture at, at Exton. And so uh, Drew will pick one of the past programs and broadcast that for us next Tuesday at 2.
0: Right? Can, we call, can we call that the best of BibleQuest.org? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, actually, yeah, so I'll have it on, that on but that might not be as good of an idea.
0: Yeah, but well, listen—the whole list of all of the broadcasts is there. You scroll down, and you want to pick one that you haven't seen before. You don't want to miss doing it. We're not going to be here live, but you can just then watch it. Of course, you can't ask questions. But so look, we'll see everybody in two weeks. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Scott. And
2: thank Steve, you, guys.
0: Input today, and thank you, everyone in your audience.
2: Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.